Raise the Apple Podcast is back. Brand new episode this week. A little bit of a different setting. I'm currently dog sitting for my brother, but episodes behind, new job, trying to get settled in a new apartment. Things have just been so crazy that, to be honest, I haven't been able to sit down and record for a half hour, 40 minutes, however long this ends up being. But we got a lot to catch up on. There's a lot that happened. So we missed the trade that de- talking about the trade deadline. We'll touch on that. Uh, the Mets Braves series. Mets took four out of five. That was probably one of, t- to this date, probably the biggest series of the year for the Mets. And then yesterday was a horrible, horrible news for baseball. But at the same time, it's like, I don't even know. I made a TikTok about it. I'm not even sure how to feel about it I guess it may sound a little dramatic but if you didn't see Tatis got suspended 80 games for violating MLB's PED policy we'll talk about that later Uh, but let's kick things off with the Mets Mets lost last night to the Phillies Syndergaard's return to City Field it was not their best game side note before we even get into what happened during the game the Apple TV I understand what Major League Baseball is trying to do with uh, Apple TV and partnering with them, but the Apple TV broadcast is just is was horrible. I watched half the game on mute because I just did not like it. Nothing against the people that were in. It probably sounds like I cannot stand the people that were in there. Cliff Floyd, uh, Steve Nelson, and I don't remember what the girl's name was that was in there with them. But it's not that they don't know what they're talking about. It's just that that. And it's not just them in particular. All of the Apple TV games, the broadcasters have just not made those games exciting. You know, you got a Mets-Phillies game where the Mets and Phillies are two of some of the hottest teams in baseball right now, one of the best rivalries in baseball. And it was just so monotone, and it it wasn't very entertaining to watch. But it was just, I was not a fan of it. But the Mets... Did fall short last night. A couple little base running mistakes. So, well, not really mistakes. I mean, you got Nito, who after the game said that he thought that the play happened a lot quicker than it ended up going, and he may have been able to be safe in that situation if he got right back up and headed over to second before Segura, because Segura didn't tag him. Then you got Marte. I'm all for aggressive base running, and I understand how shallow it is. That was, and I also understand how fast Marte is, but that was probably a little too close to. Even if you had a guy like Trey Turner or Marte or Byron Buxton, I think that may have been a little too close to tag up there. But I mean, it's you can't win them all. I'm not a, a lot of people. That's Twitter X, like typical Mets Twitter, and thinks the season's over because of one loss. But I mean. You know, you got Jake tonight. You got, let's see, who's even pitching the rest of this series? I think Walker and Bassett. So we got Jake versus Nola tonight, and then tomorrow we got Bassett versus Zach Wheeler. Oh, it's only a three-game set. I thought it was a four-game set. And then we had the Mets had two Atlanta on Monday. That'll be another great series. We'll talk about Spencer Strider in a minute, too, because that just – Added, it adds more fuel to it, but in a good way. It makes it a more exciting rivalry with Spencer Con- Spencer Strider's comments after the game. 
But hopefully tonight, Jake can bounce back, get this team on a roll again. Uh, the Mets trade deadline did not get they did not get a starting pitcher. They went and got Darren Ruff. They gave up J, J D Davis, Thomas Sapucky, and two other prospects to get J D Davis. They traded Colin Holderman to the Pirates to get Daniel Vogel back, who is. I have never seen a player become such a fan favorite in such a short amount of time. But Vogie's here, and then Tyler Naquin, very, three very under-the-radar moves. Maybe some would say underwhelming, but all three of them have been great so far to start their Mets tenure. I would have liked, like most of you, I would have liked to have seen the Mets go out and get a lefty reliever. They went and did get Michael Michael Givens. But a lefty in there would have been nice, but they got another arm in there. Uh, another starter would have been all right, but then you would have had a very weird situation where with everyone coming back, you were going to have too many starters. And it was, there was a, I don't, it was underwhelming for the Mets, but I think they made some good moves. I put a poll on Twitter. Let's <clears throat> What did the results end up being of it? I asked uh, how people felt that, the Mets fared during the deadline. And where? how far back do I have to go? So how did the Mets do with the deadline? Killed it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Meh. Uh. Incomplete failure. 64% said meh. 9% said uh. And 27% said that the trade deadline for the Mets was a complete fl- failure. I wouldn't say it was a complete failure. I would I wouldn't say uh either. I'd say it was meh. It wasn't great, but it wasn't a terrible deadline for the Mets. I was expecting more, but I mean credit to the Mets. They're trying to rebuild that farm system, not giving up Alvarez or Viento, Spady, Mercusio, Matthew Allen, those top five guys. I understand where the Mets were coming from, not wanting to get rid of those five, but I mean again, it would have been nice to to add a little bit more than what they did, but overall, I think you know, I'm not to be a little too greedy, but I think the Mets did make some great moves, and I think there's a lot of good moves in baseball. The Phillies added a lot. The uh, Braves went out and got another starter, so the NL East made some moves. The Dodgers went and got Joey Gallo, but the biggest move of the deadline was Juan Soto going to the Padres for C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, and a couple other prospects. The Nash, I feel so bad for the Nash. So then you got Luke Voigt must hate Eric Hosmer right now. So if people didn't pick up on this, Eric Hosmer had a no trade contract in his a no trade clause in his contract. And he was originally supposed to go to the Nationals in the Soto trade, but waived his no trade clause. Padres end up trading him to Boston anyway. But then Luke Voigt gets stuck going to DC. So I can't imagine Luke Voigt is a big fan of Eric Hosmer right now. But Overall, it was a very good. De- it was a very exciting deadline. A lot of great moves, but from the Met for the Mets, that was it was a very underwhelming deadline. I think a lot of fans were expecting a lot more. Like I said, I know I was, but uh, I think that the moves they made were good. I think they could have done better, but I think they may have overpaid a little a little bit for Darren Ruff. But you know, not much you can do about that. I was at a Syracuse Mets game the other day. And I got to, it was, uh, I was there on Tuesday. So it was Beatty's first game in AAA. Beatty was 0 for 4, but he, all four times, he, he was, 
he whacked it all four times. He hit it hard all four times. Alvarez had an RBI hit. He looks good. Uh, Vientos had the day off, but other than that, the Alvarez and Beatty look really good. I think Beatty, a lot of people want Beatty to come up. I think it's too soon. I think he needs a little bit more time, but I would not be surprised if Alvarez is a, a September call-up. Same with Vientos. But let's look around the rest of Major League Baseball and go around the horn. The Mets deadline, like we mentioned, a little underwhelming, but they did make some great moves, which transitioned us over to second base to talk about Spencer Strider and the Atlanta Braves. So the Mets take four out of five from the Braves. They Taiwan Walker stunk on Friday night, but the Mets did chip away at it. That was a good loss. Contrary to what Mets Twitter will say, it was a good loss if you're the New York Mets to have Spence, to have Taiwan Walker have that bad of a start and then the Mets to slowly chip away at it and get to the one point where they had the tying run up at the plate and they just couldn't they just couldn't finish it off. But so after the game, or not after that game, but after Sunday's game, if you didn't see it, Spencer Strider essentially said that the Mets hit into a lot of luck and that oh, the umps were bad and that, oh, we'll see him in October. Which stirred, as you can imagine, stirred Mets fans up like crazy. It is so bizarre to me to see the difference in the clubhouses of the Mets and the Braves. A lot of people will reference when Freddie Freeman yelled at Ronald Acuna Jr. for uh, with the eye black stuff back a couple years ago. Freddie Freeman's out of that clubhouse. It's a completely different clubhouse. And you look at the Mets. <clears throat> you got Taiwan Walker on Friday basically telling the media, yeah, I sucked. Yeah, I sucked. I know I sucked. He was like, basically, in a nutshell, he's like, I let the team down. You know, our bullpen had to do extra work today because of me, yada, yada, yada. Then you look at Spencer Strider on Sunday, and he's just like, well, they got lucky, the umps sucked, we'll see him in October, it doesn't matter right now. The Braves first have to make it to October, and they will, but the Phillies are closer to them than they are to the Mets. So, you just lost four out of five. There is no excuse for the... Braves fans were making so many excuses. <clears throat> but, to, to be honest, the Mets just dominated the Braves that entire series. And a lot even the broadcasters were like, oh, wait till they come down to Atlanta. I don't anticipate it being any different. I think that the Mets are still going to win. Is that a four-game set in Atlanta? Is it a four- or three-game set? It's a four-game set in Atlanta, followed by another four-game set in Philly. That Those four games, I think the Mets at least win two or three of those four right off the bat. I it's just it's lined up right now that the the Braves are going to face one of or both Max Scherzer and DeGrom again. But that it's just seeing all the excuses from Braves fans on social media was absolutely hilarious hilarious to me because Ronald Acuña Jr. didn't even play Sunday and then as soon as Jacob DeGrom comes out of the game, Ronald Acuña comes into the game to pinch hit. It's just a very different vibe going on in Atlanta compared to City Field right now. And it's a shame because the Braves are such a good team, but I think they got a lot of egos going on in that clubhouse. 
And Brian Snicker has a tough job of trying to manage all of those egos. He's got a lot of young studs and not as much of a veteran presence as he's had in the past, especially with Freddie Freeman, who is the heart and soul of that team uh, now in L.A. And then you got the Mets clubhouse, who's full of experienced guys who've been around a long time, who've been there, done that. It's just crazy to see the difference in the two clubhouses right now. At least from an outsider perspective, that's what it looks like to me. But this week's series in Atlanta should be awesome. Uh, Another four-game set, and hopefully the Mets can take two out of four or three out of four. But we're going to jog on over to third. Chug-a-chug-chug, much like Daniel Vogel back the other night. To Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis Jr. has been suspended 80 games by Major League Baseball for taking PEDs. Horrible news that came out of absolutely nowhere last night, literally like minutes before first pitch. It became uh, public on Twitter that Tatis got busted. I want to find the name of the drug that he was using because there's a lot that goes into this. So... Let me see if it's on here. 80 game suspension will take him out for the rest of this year plus the postseason and will um, most likely be, what, a month, month and a half into next year. You got A.J. Preller, who is the GM of the Padres, basically saying that they have to rebuild trust with Tatis after the motorcycle incident or in the offseason that's caused him to be out all this time and now this he failed the drug test first thing in the morning and then he uh, the Dodger excuse me the Padres didn't find out until almost four o'clock in the afternoon then you got their teammates sounding off saying like he needs to grow up and mature a little bit you got John Heyman who in my opinion wrote a BS article for ESPN this morning basically bashing Tatis and saying how uh, much he needs to grow up and how horrible he is for and letting his team down and using PEDs even though he's stuck up for numerous guys in the past for using PEDs. Him along with other writers. I tweeted this out. Beat reporters, writers, fans, whatever you are, if you are bashing Tatis right now but at the same time you are saying that other certain people who have gotten in trouble or speculated trouble of PEDs and you've stuck up for them but now you're bashing Tatis you have no credibility at all. Take Barry Bonds, for example. The suspicion of PEDs with Barry Bonds. And you're going to stick up for Barry Bonds and say he should be in the Hall of Fame. Tatis gets busted, and now you're bashing Tatis. It doesn't make any sense at all. You need to be consistent if you're going to if you're gonna hate on one or love them, whatever the case is. I think I hate it always. If you're a cheater, you're a cheater. There's no such thing as a good cheater or a bad cheater. You cheated or you didn't. And I think Tatis just ruined his legacy. He was on it. He ruined a lot of baseball card collectors, uh, like me, who had a card, and a real autographed card of Tatis that was worth about four hundred dollars on eBay. That is probably now worth nothing because he got in trouble. Uh, but it was very disappointing to see that to see that this happened. The steroid that he got in trouble was part of a. It's part of like an ointment or like a cream type medicine I guess he said he had he claims he has ringworm how accurate that is or not I have no idea but he claimed he had ringworm he was taking it for that 
and uh, he didn't know that it was in there. And I hate when guys get in trouble for PEDs and their excuses, I didn't know it was in there. Like DeAndre Hopkins just got suspended in the NFL and did the same thing. I didn't know I took it. You pay people to make sure that that stuff does not happen. If you put anything in your body as a professional athlete, at least how I would do it, maybe there's a lot more to it that I don't understand. But every single thing I put in my body medicine-wise, I would go up to the team doctor and say, listen, is before I take this, is there anything in here that could get me in any trouble? And once they okay it, then you're good to go. But the fact that he didn't even talk to anyone, he didn't tell anyone on the Padres about his wrist injury until he got there. He, uh, he's, Obviously, we don't know the full story, but it does not. It seems like the Padres are in a position as a team where they have all this talent. No one has brought in more big-name talent than the San Diego Padres over the last, what, three years or so, three or four years? And they have nothing to show for it, and it's because I think they just can't get out of their own way. They bring in all this talent. They bring in all these superstars, Machado, Soto. They call up Tatis. They bring in Mike Clevenger, you Darvish. They turn Joe Musgrove into one of the best pitchers in baseball. Who else do they got over there? They got Cronenworth, Mazzara, uh, Profar. They got all these guys, all these big-name guys. They went out and got Josh Hader at the trade deadline, who blew a save the other night. Machado saved him with a walk-off homer. So having said that it's just they can't get out of their own way they're struggling so much to just put it all together and I think it's because they got a lot of young talent and again like the Braves they got a lot of egos in that clubhouse they got a lot of money tied up in that in that clubhouse right now they got a 300 million dollar third baseman almost a half a billion dollar shortstop they just signed Joe Musgrove to a hundred million dollar contract extension over the next five years they got a lot of money tied up on this talent and just having them having it not work it's a bad look on AJ Preller but to be frank can how much can you blame AJ Preller he went out and got all the talent now the talent's got to put it all together and that's just not working out right now for the Padres and this Tatis news is just uh it sucks. It sucks for baseball, but it also sucks if you're a Padres fan. Then you got some teammates sounding off, uh, basically saying like Mike Clevenger saying that he needs to grow up a little bit, and it's twice that he that he let them down. And then you got other teams that are or other teammates, excuse me, that are also saying that like Tatis needs to grow up and mature a little bit. He's 23 years old. When you give a 23 year old almost half a billion dollars to play baseball kind of kind of you got to expect there's going to be some some issues with that. It should be very interesting to see how the relationship between Tatis and the rest of the Padres organization goes because as of right now it's a broken bridge. It's it appears that way based on what we're seeing on social media it appears that the bridge between Tatis and the Padres is broken. It's a matter of can Tatis fix that? And one of the guys that was supposed to be the face of baseball that they've been advertising as the face of baseball for all this time, not not a good not a good thing for for Major League Baseball at all. It's it was stupid. It was it's stupid that this happened, but it's it's just it's sucky. 
it really is. It's really all there is to it. But let's wrap up this episode with this day in baseball history. Throwing it back again to 1979, Lou Brock collected his 3,000th hit, a single off Dennis Lamp as the Cardinals beat the Cubs 3-2. to I love using this website. It's called todayinbaseballhistory.com. And they go all the way back. Like the top one on for today was from 1906. This is like this is a great site. There's a lot of cool facts on there. I see on here. 1969, Jim Palmer of the Orioles threw a no hitter. The Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> the season ended right at this very second. The Baltimore Orioles are in a playoff spot. After trading Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez, their closer. Felix Bautista's done a nice job closing games. That Adley Rushman and that offense, that young offense that just has more young superstar talent coming up, has been great. Can they sustain it? I hope so. I think that would be great for baseball to see a different team in the playoffs, especially a team that wasn't expected that was expected to lose 100-plus games this year. To see them in the playoffs, I think, would be great. Can they sustain it in the playoffs? Who knows? We're going to have to wait and see because anything can happen in October. That's the that's the great thing about it. But right now, if the season ends today, the Mets are the NL East champs, not the Braves. So Braves are a lot, becoming a lot like Yankees fans where they like to live in the past and they like to bring up, oh, well, we've, we've won more World Series than you and we've won this many more division titles than you. It's like, okay, but what about right now? Like when Yankees fans throw the 27 rings, okay, the Mets were in the World Series more recently than the Yankees. Braves fans, oh, we got more World Series titles than you. Okay, but we're in first place right now. You are not. Quit using the past as the central argument for your debates. It doesn't make any sense. Not at all. Braves fans are starting to sound a lot like Yankees fans. But... That's going to wrap it up pretty much for this week's episode of Raise the Apple. Episodes are going to be kind of funky until you get such get situated in the apartment, which hopefully will be by the end of the month. So it's kind of just whenever I get an hour free, I can sit down and, and do a new episode. I'm going to try and do a lot more on TikTok in the meantime and on Twitter to compensate for that. Make sure you follow and subscribe on everything. Make sure you like, comment, share, all that good stuff. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you whenever the next episode ends up being. Hopefully the Mets can get back on track tonight with Jake. Big series coming up in Atlanta, then Philly again, and then round two of the Subway Series. Can't wait to see what excuse Yankees fans have for that when uh, when they lose again. But that's going to wrap it up. We will see you guys next time. We're out of here. Let's go Mets.